Welcome to Super Bowl 2024 at B Hope Church. Oh man, if it is your first time in the room or if it's if you're online or in Ironton today, can we do a big just do me a big favor church? Would you welcome all of our first time guests watching today? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you brought a first time guest, I would ask that you would be kind and not rude. And here's what I mean by that. If you would do me a favor, if you brought a new guest today, be kind and take them to the orange room after service today to get them a wonderful gift before they leave. Can you do that for me? Because if they came to your house, you wouldn't leave them empty-handed, right? And this is your house, so don't let them leave empty-handed, all right? Uh, if you're new, make sure your guest or your, your person that, that brought you today takes you to the orange room when we're done. But I know many of you are asking the question, like, what is happening? I know we invited friends last year, and they're like, what is happening right now? Is this always like this at church? And, uh, and I just know that some of you are walking into church maybe for the first time this weekend, and some of you uh, are coming back from for the first time, but we want you to know that the reason we do Super Bowl weekend has everything to do with why we exist. And the reason we exist is to be somebody's first church. We believe that you can experience the hope and life when you step into church for the first time. And so we want to be somebody's first church. And when you walked in today, you're probably like, this is, this is not what I expected. Some of you who left church and are coming back are like, oh, this is not like my grandma's church that I left 15 years ago and that I was coming back to. But our deepest desire today is that you would begin to see that we actually serve a God who we think is actually pretty creative and kind of cool and that he takes joy and delights in moments when we experience laughter as a community together. But what's really important is that through all the lights and through all the fog and through all the haze and all the awesome music that we experience, we believe deep down that there's a God whose deepest desire is to speak to you in a powerful way so that he can have a personal relationship with you because he wants to love you and save you wherever you are. And that's why we do this. And that's why we do it. So here we are, Super Bowl weekend 2024. I want to give you a quick message today. You know that's not true. I want to give you a message today, and I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And so typically what we do is we stand together for the reading of God's word because we believe it prepares our hearts. So would you do me a favor, church? Would you stand for the reading of God's word? If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. If you don't have a phone with the Bible, don't worry. We got it on the screen for you today. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Everybody say, into the boat. He made them get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. I'll get into that later. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land and buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. If you're not following, this is really bad news for the disciples. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them and he was walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw them walking on the lake, they were terrified and they said, it's a ghost. No, they didn't. They cried out in fear. That's what the Bible says. Sorry to yell, but that's what it says. And Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, Peter said, Lord, if it is you, 
Tell me to come out on the water. And Jesus said, it is amazing out here with gale force winds and 10 foot waves. I would love for you to come join me. And it says that Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water. He came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, which you cannot see, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me in this moment. And immediately, verse 31, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him and said, you of little faith, why do you doubt? You of little faith, why do you doubt? So, so if you don't hear anything else today, here's what I want you to hear. God does big things with little faith. God does Big, 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 big things with people who have just a little bit of faith, a little bit of faith. And, and, and I want to make this connection before we dive in because Chelsea said it so well. And, and Chelsea was vulnerable in this moment, but she was praying a really big prayer that her son would be able to communicate to them. But what she said was, what I didn't see was the miracles along the way of God working and doing his thing and performing these small miracles that I didn't acknowledge. But eventually he answered the big prayer, but I didn't see what he was doing the entire time. And she said, if I just would have saw those pieces, if I would have seen those miracles at work, I would have known that God was pulling him into the bigger plan that he had for him all along. This is how we begin to find little faith is when we begin to pick up the pieces of God's miracle work over the course of our lives one little bit at a time so that you can have just a little faith. So title of my message today is pick up the pieces, pick up the pieces. And so I want you to turn to three people, tell them to pick up the pieces, high five them and you can have a seat. I wonder how many of you in the room have ever watched a prodigy put together a masterpiece? Not a single person in the room. You know what somebody said at 9 a.m. in our 9 a.m. service? They said, every single Sunday. <laughs> I said, no, you're watching a rookie put together a disaster. That's what's happening. <laughs> I remember when, uh, when we were in college, Mount Vernon Nazarene University, shout out to the Cougars. That sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Let me say that. Anyway, uh, Mount Vernon Nazarene University, they would always bring in a speaker who happened to be a musician, and they would set this grand piano in the middle of the stage, and he would sit behind the piano, and he would, he would have a music major stand up because he knew that music majors would get this, and he would tell them, he said, you pick any five notes that you want, and I'm gonna make a song. And so he has this music major stand up, and they're like, how about a Z sharp? We really don't have musically inclined people in this room because there is no such thing as a Z sharp. <laughs> but they pick all these random, really difficult chords and he begins to play them one by one by one by one. He plays it like three different times and then he pauses. And everybody's just waiting to see what happens and all of a sudden he begins to put this song together as he plays. 
And I thought, wow, this guy's a pro. He does this all over the place. He probably has all these songs picked out, probably like you thought we did with these messages, right, with these, with these teams. And, but then he starts singing a song, and he's, he's putting together new words with a new th- song that he is just, that he's just come up with in a matter of seconds. Like, we are watching a prodigy put together a masterpiece. And that's good for him, but that's really not good for us. Because your chances of actually being a prodigy in life is one in 10 million. I can hear all my growth-minded people in the room saying, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, I with me on this. See, if you're like me, you're not a prodigy, you're just a rookie. And for most of my life, my life looks not like a masterpiece, it looks like a mess. It looks like a disaster. And that's really why we, we designed Super Bowl weekend the way we did in the first half. Uh, can I just, can I just like, let you lean in a little bit on how we plan this whole thing? I had this great idea as we're sitting with our team. And I said, it would be kind of cool if we adopted like Peyton Manning's co- College Bowl where they, they pose these questions and these college kids answer the questions, except we're gonna take a bunch of people who have never spoken in their life on this platform before. We're gonna let the audience pick the question, the spiritual question, and they're gonna have two minutes to put it together and five minutes to give it. I think that'd be really cool. And my whole team said, that's a really dumb idea. <laughs> and I said, what, what's wrong with that plan? And somebody said, you don't get it. Like there are like Super Bowl weekend is one of our biggest weekends. These are somebody else's words, not mine. They said, we don't want the content to suck. (laughs) Again, their words, not mine. They said, we need it to be great. We need it to be over the top. We need it to be perfect. What they were saying in the moment, but they didn't say it was, we need it to be a masterpiece. And I said, well, well, what's the problem if we have all these random people getting up here giving a message? They say, because it's going to be a disaster. It's not going to go well. It's not going to flow well. Like, messages may not come out the way that we want them to. I mean, you heard the F word dropped at the beginning of this message. I mean, come on, somebody. Like, it's not going to go well. And, and I said, you know what? If that's what happens, and by the way, they did a fantastic job. I said, if it is an absolute disaster, it will prove the point that I really want to make. And the point I want to make is this, is that God uses imperfect people to do really great things. But some of you have in this room have bought into the illusion or the delusion that when you step into this space or if you're going to experience faith in a powerful way, that you have to come before the Heavenly Father perfect. And I don't know who taught you that expectation, but God doesn't expect you to walk into this place perfect. You are not a prodigy that is putting together a masterpiece, but God is the master who puts all your broken pieces together so that he can pull you into the bigger plan that he has for your life. And the beauty of this is the only thing that God asks from you is that you will acknowledge these small little miracles that he performs in your life along the way. And you may not see it or understand it, but if you just hold on to that, then you will see the bigger picture of what he's putting together in your life. And this was the problem for the dumb disciples. Yeah, you heard me. I called them the dumb disciples, the duh disciples. I always get in trouble for telling that joke but does it look like I care? (laughs) The disciples always wanted the big picture. They wanted the big thing. Like Jesus is having a conversation with two of his disciples and they say to him, 
We want to we want to sit on your right and your left when you become the king, when you experience royalty. We want to be awesome like you. And Jesus looks at them and says, "That is not mine to give, but what mine is to give is what you're going to overlook. That I will do these small things in your life that is preparing you for the bigger thing that I'm calling you to. But you have to learn to pick up the pieces." Because those will be the things in your life that lead to little faith so I can do big things in you. And I got to tell you, church, I'm really pumped for this message because when we dive into Peter's life, that's exactly what we see. If you don't know what I'm talking about right now, little faith, pick up the pieces. Peter shows us exactly what it looks like to do big things with little faith. And so if you forgot in the last 10 minutes that we just read the scripture, let me just catch you up. Uh, uh, Peter has enough moxie, if I could say it that way, enough moxie to shout at a ghost that is running by his boat. I watch a haunting and I am up for the next two weeks with nightmares. This dude shouts at a ghost, verifies it's Jesus, walks out into hurricane force winds, steps on the water, begins to sink because he has an ADD moment and he is distracted by something that he can't see. (laughs) And in Matthew chapter 14, verse 31, it says immediately Jesus reached out his hand and said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You of little faith, why did you doubt? And there's part of me when I first read this story, I'm like, you get this guy, Jesus. He's a dumb disciple. He's a rock. This dude's an idiot. But then, but then I started to read the story just a little bit more, and it was almost like God was just saying to me, hey, what makes you think I'm talking to Peter? What makes you think that the point I was trying to make is actually to him? Have you ever been in a, a, a group moment of correction, but there's that one person that singled out, and you're glad that you're not them? but you're thankful because you're just as guilty as them. Like if I could say it like this, when my wife teaches her her students, she's gonna ask for an answer and there are gonna be 25 of them just shouting out the answer. But then there's the one little girl that's like raising her hand and my wife will get down and she'll go, Amelia, thank you for raising your hand. It's amazing what you can do. Is she talking to Amelia? No, because the whole class is like, they're raising their hands. Because the moment of correction is really not about Amelia. The moment of correction is really about them. And I think, I think that if we could just use our imaginations when it comes to this story that's told today, I think Jesus, when he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He is winking at Peter. Hey, it's not about you, bro. It's really about the 11 that are still in the boat. Shh, don't tell them. Because you might have little faith, but they have no faith. No faith. And you're like, well, Pastor Brad, that's not in the text. Prove it. (laughs) Okay. You know, when Jesus says these two words, little faith, it means somebody who is dull to God's voice or disinterested in walking intimately with God. Does it look like in this moment that Peter who calls out to Jesus, who calls back to him, is dull to the voice of God? Does it look like Peter is disinterested in walking into, I mean, there ain't nothing more intimate than walking in 10-foot waves with your homecoming king. And I think in this moment, Jesus isn't even talking. He is talking to the disciples who are in the boat because they have no faith. How do I know this? 
Because, because God has been trying to give them moments of faith the entire time that leads up to this point where they're in the storm. In fact, if you go back just the story before this, what we find is there's Jesus and his disciples, and they're hanging out in this big crowd of 5,000 men and about 15,000 women and children. And the disciples come up to Jesus and they say, ah, these people are hungry. We can't let them leave. You've been talking too long. How are we going to feed them? You know what Jesus said? Yo, you feed them. And the disciples are like, where are we going to get all this food? It's going to take a year's wages to feed these people. Do I have to do this again? Give me five loaves, two fish. God, I thank you for all this provisions that you've given me. Let's break it into pieces and we'll feed the 5,000. Jesus performs this miracle. <laughs> and this is where it gets really good, church. Is in verse 20, it says, after Jesus fed the 5,000, the disciples picked up 12, read it with me now, 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. 12 basketfuls of broken pieces left over. And then in verse 22, which is where we picked up the story today, it said, immediately they got on the boat. Now, let me give you the picture. 12. How many disciples did Jesus have? How many basketfuls were left over of broken pieces? This is the picture. All right, let's get on the boat. Here we go. The same boat that's about to go through the storm. The same boat where Peter's going to get off the boat. The same boat where Jesus is going to confront their faith. Because in another, in another story, it says, after this, they were amazed at what Jesus did because they didn't understand the loaves and their hearts were hardened. They had no faith. And, and if we could just, if we could just step back and pretend like we were a, a film crew filming this moment with Jesus and Peter. If you were walking behind Jesus as he walks up to Peter with the camera, I think what you would see, what we can't see without just doing a little bit of work, is that there are 11 disciples who are holding 12, excuse me, 11 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And they're like, he gonna die. Nope, ain't, ain't bringing him back. No way that's going to happen. They are holding on to the miracle that happened that day. Jesus fed 5,000. And there were 12 basketfuls of broken leftovers. They're holding on to the miracle, but they have no faith. They're looking over the leftovers. I wonder how many of us in our lives are looking over the leftovers. I am so guilty of this. There are so many times where God has performed a miracle. He has answered a prayer in my life and I'm looking at the big thing that God's going to do. How many times are we looking over the small things that God is doing? How many times are we looking over the, can I tell you church, I hate leftovers. You too? The only leftover that belongs in your refrigerator is chili. 
only left over in my house is Plato's Closet's clothes for my kids. Sorry, not for me. Play it against sports. Cleats that have been used. I hate leftovers. We play this game in our house, don't we? Uh, on Monday, we'll make like 10 chicken breasts and we're like, we'll eat those leftovers throughout the course of the week. We get to Friday and the same 10 chicken breasts are sitting in the refrigerator that we made on Monday. And I play this game. Is it still good? My wife opens the, 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 the top and, and you can smell that chicken all the way across the room. She's like, it's still good. Can I tell you, if my wife tells you that it's still good, don't eat it. <laughs> she gets it from her grandmother. But you know what she gets from her mother? Is that there are these fun moments where they're coming to town and, and, and I have every intent of making dinner, but she'll end up making dinner. And so the next day, because I don't want her to have to make dinner, I'll say, we should go out to eat. And she'll say, well, why would we go out to eat when we have leftovers and what I'm looking over she sees as the next meal I wonder what are you looking over that God wants to use can I say it this way what is God doing that you aren't using our verse for the year is that God is doing a new thing and I love what Isaiah says hey, can you see it can you perceive it see let, let me put it this way leftovers are the fact that maybe you were a C student and you have lived the rest of your life just believing you were average. That's a leftover. But the miracle, the miracle is that some of the most inventive people were failures by educational standards. And God has not assigned to you a GPA, but God has given you a gift that GPAs can't even account for. Are you with me on this church? See, leftovers, and celebrate recovery are when you got your 30 day chip. Come on, let's celebrate all those getting the 30 day chip. For the third time. For the third time. And, and, and what you see as a moment of defeat is the miracle that God wants to say, I've done it before, guess what? I'm gonna do it again. And I'm gonna do it again, and I'm gonna do it again. And I'm gonna do it until you get sober. See, see, leftovers are the moments where you feel unseen, where you feel like you don't belong, where you feel like you're in a room and you're just a sore thumb that sticks out every single time. But the miracle is that God doesn't use the elite and the powerful to do what he wants to do. God uses misfits, outcasts, prostitutes and tax collectors to build his kingdom. See, the leftovers are when you give them a second chance and maybe you're regretting it now. But the miracle is that you are experiencing the power of extending God's forgiveness into somebody's life. The leftover is when you experience a series of failures, but the miracle is that God is beginning to use those failures as a way to get you to the next season where you'll have a little bit of courage. See, I think in many ways that you are people of little faith where God experiences this beautiful woman right after the disciples who are looking over the leftovers. And she says, yo God, the guy, she said, the dogs, the dogs will eat the crumbs from the master's table. She's referring to herself. She said, your disciples have 12 basketfuls of pieces that are left over. And if they aren't going to eat it, I will. I will. And Jesus looks at her and says, 
you have great faith. Great faith. Great faith doesn't have to be big. Great faith has to be little. Sometimes it's little. And this is where we see it in Peter's life. Can I tell you, church, there's hilarity of this moment. There's a really funny part of this that nobody ever, nobody ever hears about. And here's the funny part. Uh, some people believe that Jesus wasn't approaching the boat, but Jesus was running by the boat in the middle of the storm. Good luck. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Take courage. Me speed. For all you slow folks in the room, that's Godspeed. 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 He is running to the other side, and yet Peter has enough faith to yell at a ghost and say, Is that you, God? Is that you, Jesus? Because if it's you, I want to walk out there with you. And, and it says that Jesus said, Yo, come out in this water. It's amazing. And it, then it tells us that, that Peter got out of the boat and he took his first steps on the water and he came toward Jesus. And here's what I believe God wants to share with you. The difference between no faith and little faith is walking on water. Oh, come on, church, that was so good. I typically don't pat myself on the back, but that was so good. Come on, somebody. The difference between no faith, the disciples in the boat, and little faith, Peter, is that he got to walk on water. And often when we read this story, we think Jesus is, is throwing shade and giving a slight on Peter's faith. But in this moment, I believe Jesus is giving him a compliment. He's saying, you had little faith. Why did you lose your faith? You had a mustard seed sized faith, which you know can move mountains. But why did you doubt? And the question I kept asking is, where did Peter get his little faith? His little faith. And this is what God was teaching me. If you could have seen Peter before he got out of the boat, what the disciples were looking over, Peter was leaning into. And Peter looks down at this wonder bread. And he's like, well, if God could feed 5,000, then surely I could walk on water. If, if God could supply the needs of 15,000 women and children, then surely I could step out of this boat. If God could answer the big prayer of a woman who just wants to see her son speak I love you to her father, All it takes is leaning in, not looking over. That he begins to realize God can do that in me. And it's little faith, church. Little faith. Sorry, guys, you are on your last leg. It's little faith that allows you to call out to a ghost. It's little faith that allows you to change the direction of God who is running by the boat so that he will approach you with his grace. It is little faith that you put down this basket full of broken pieces. It is little faith 
Little faith that he puts his leg over both. It is little faith that you put your first foot forward in the waves that are over your head. It is little faith that he begins to walk intimately with God for the first time in his life to experience this powerful moment that's really big. And God does big things with people who have little faith. Because two chapters after this, he looks at Peter and he says, I got to tell you, man, that moment on the water was amazing. And because you're a solid rock on you, I will build my church on you. I will do a movement on you. I will allow something to carry into the future that nobody will ever be able to stop. It's because you had little faith, little faith. And people who have little faith know how to pick up the pieces. They know how to see the miracles. They know how to see God working. What has God been doing in your life that you've been ignoring? What has God been up to in your life that you've been overlooking, but you need to look down and say, I'll pick up that piece. I'll let God use that. You see, little faith. Little faith is like my, my mother-in-law. This is so much fun. Sometimes Janelle and I will intentionally leave the cupboards empty when she comes over. And we'll have things on the shelves that are like four years old and it's all expired. Yeah, we had four-year-old Buckeye pasta sitting on our shelves because I thought it was a collector's item and it was gonna be worth some money someday. <laughs> Can of uh, cream of mushroom soup, little almond flour, two oranges, some moldy asparagus and some questionable beef that smelled kind of funny. That's what we left her with. And she's like, we don't, we don't need to go. I could take this. I could take this. I'll work with what I've got. I'll take all these pieces together and I'll put together a gourmet meal. And really that's what God wants for you in your life is that you'll just pick up those pieces. Pick up those and use what you've got. Let me, let me just be blunt today. Little faith is when you allow the low moments of your life to become little steps of faith for God to build inside of you just a little bit of courage. Little faith are those seasons where you face adversity, but then they become the stepping stones for God to develop your character so that you have perseverance when he asks you to begin to lead the big thing that he's called you to. See, little faith is when you don't despise small beginnings, but you acknowledge these small beginnings are the things that keep me humble and hungry. Little faith is when you parent intentionally. Little faith is when you keep showing up. Little faith is when you dive into God's word. Little faith is when you continually cry out to him. Little faith is when you keep giving God thanks even though you're battling cancer. Little faith is when you live with integrity and nobody's looking but your father in heaven who sees you in that closet on your knees begging for him to do a miracle looks at you and says, well done, my good and faithful servant, because you have little faith. God does big things with those who have little faith. Church, would you stand to your feet with me? If you don't hear anything else, my desire is that you would see God working in your life and you would hold on to those things to move you forward to the big thing that God has for you. But 
but I also want to acknowledge that sometimes there are broken pieces in your life that you can't pick up. Can, can I just be real with you for just a second? Like that's how we roll at Be Hope. I'm just letting you know. Some of you are going to go home today after this message and you're probably going to pick up the bottle one more time. Some of you men in this room are going to go home after the game when your wife goes to bed and you're going to watch things knowing that you shouldn't watch it. Oh, is that too much? It's getting a little awkward in this room. Some of the broken pieces of your life is that you've just ended a relationship. You can't see the way forward and you're looking for the way out. But you, you can't see hope for what, what once was. Some of you in this room, you just got a diagnosis for the first time that told you you're not going to make it and you don't know what to do with that. You have broken pieces in your life. And sometimes you can't put that together. But there is a savior who is watching you sink, who lifts out his hand and says, I've got you, I've got you. And all it takes is little faith for you to cry out and say, Lord, save me. Can we look at what Peter said? Peter, who was sinking, cried out to God in that moment and said, Lord, save me. And all it takes is little faith in this moment for God to meet you exactly where you are and save exactly what needs to be saved. Can I tell you, some of you may not get off of it right away. Some of you may, some of you may not experience the restoration of a marriage. Some of you in this room, it's gonna take you a long time to get over it. But God, God promises us that he will always meet our deepest need, which is our spiritual need. And his deepest desire is not to make your life perfect, but to make your heart right. And so in this moment, it just takes little faith to say, Lord, please save me. And that's our hope for you this weekend is that you would have enough faith to cry out to God. And so maybe for the first time today, you'll pray this prayer and you'll acknowledge that Jesus is the one who can save you and he is the hope of your life and the future. And so we pray this prayer every single weekend together. And I would love for you for the first time to pray today with us. And we're gonna pray this with you. It goes like this, Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world, that he gave his life to forgive my sins and he was raised from the grave so that I may have life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. 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 Can we celebrate all those lives who are coming into the kingdom this weekend? And let's give it back to our host as we get ready to leave today. Happy Super Bowl to you.